In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. So last time, if you guys remember, we stopped at the three young men refusing to worship the image that Nebuchadnezzar created. He put them in fire, and the fire, Nebuchadnezzar saw Jesus, saw Christ, with the three young men. And then what was amazing is the fact that not a single hair was affected for the three young men, and those mighty men who threw them into the fire, they were destroyed. Now we will see the reaction of Nebuchadnezzar after he saw this great miracle. We'll start from chapter, eight, verse two, chapter 3, verse 28. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Sidrach, Meshach, and Abdenago, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trust in him, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies, that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own. You see here, Nebuchadnezzar, he's actually offering praise to the god of Sidrach, Misach, Abdonago, which is what we would expect. But what's very unique about this passage is that he's actually telling the three young men, good job because you have disobeyed my commandment. You did not follow what I told you. You did not follow what I told you. They defy the king's commandment and eventually he sees that they were right. And by the way, when we talk about identity, when you say, what is my identity as Christian? What is my identity as American? It means I have certain principles that I follow. And these principles are everywhere. They're not just a matter of social pressure. You can't just be like, okay, you know what? If I go to Europe and nobody's watching me, I could do whatever I want. That's not identity. This is somebody who's just conforming to the social pressure around them. We see here that the king is saying, blessed God. But now look at this. He's saying, he's telling them, good job that you have disobeyed me. Good job that you have disobeyed me. And what? Worshipped your only God. And this to Nebuchadnezzar is a big claim. Because he's okay with accepting many other gods along with his God. But to actually say that the God of Israel protected the young men because they worship him alone is a big leap toward monotheism. It's a big leap toward actual change in his faith. He said, obviously, that God sent his angel. And we talked about this before, that the word angel, when he sees the, the, the word angel means messenger. And it's okay to refer, to refer to Jesus as messenger. We can refer to Jesus as many things. Messenger, prophet, teacher, savior, Lord, many things. But in the Old Testament, obviously, the idea of the son of God or Jesus incarnated was not clear but we can see it therefore I make a decree verse 29 he's going to make a decree what's the decree that you're going to make Nebuchadnezzar that any people nation or language which speaks against a miss 
anything amiss against the God of Sidrak, Misak, and Abdenagh shall be cut in pieces, and their houses shall be made as ash heap, because there is no other God who can deliver like this. He's basically saying if anybody argues or disputes the God of Israel, will kill him, will destroy him. And he probably, he probably did this because of the huge miracle he saw, but also because he's trying to please the God of Israel. He's trying to please, in his way, this is his culture, this is his style of trying to please God. Remember earlier, when before he threw them into the fire, he told them, show me which God can save you. He was almost going to challenge their own God. Today he's saying what? He's saying that if you speak bad about this God, you shall be cut into pieces. You shall be cut into pieces. Then the king promoted Sidrak, Misak, and Abdenagu in the providence of Babylon. Remember, they were in the, a little bit far from, from Babylon, and they were four le uh, three leaders. Now he promoted them. And a lot of times, obviously, when a king promotes uh, people in exile like this, a part of it is he's trying to please the God. A part of it is he's growing in his trust in them. A part of it is he wants them to be close to him. Well, let's get a look at this for a little bit. I think when we look at the image of Christ in the fire, this is almost the image that we see all our life, most of our life, where God is saying, I want you to trust in me. I want you to trust in me. And if you trust in me, and submit to me without understanding every detail in your life, you will see me next to you. You will see me next to you. One of the worst things we do in our life is we question God so much without spending any time with Him. This is almost gossip about God. If you want to talk about gossiping about God, this is the gossip about God. What are you, why did God do this? Why did God allow this? Why did God, did you talk to God? Did you pray? Did you practice? Did you spend time with him? Did you trust in him? Did you follow his commandments? Did you see what he's saying? Or is the God we worship now is a God made by people for people? The story of the three young men became became a role model for generations. In first Maccabee two fifty nine, the dying Matthias, he was one of the people who began the Jewish revolt. He looked at he, he was teaching his sons and he told them Hananiah, Azariah and Mishael believed and were saved from the flame. Their trust in God became what they are known for. Tell you guys something. In our life, the biggest time or the biggest experience we enjoy God is when life is tough and difficult. 
And when we are humbled, and when we are not able to depend on anybody else, and that will lead us to chapter 4. What's happening with chapter 4? Nebuchadnezzar have seen already two big miracles. He have seen Daniel not only interpreting dreams, but he's told him the dream that he had while he was sleeping. He also saw the three young men deliver, being delivered from the fire. Did he believe in God yet? No, he did not believe yet. He did not believe yet. And we will see this chapter, when will Nebuchadnezzar confess God? When will Nebuchadnezzar confess God? And I want you guys to keep that in mind because a lot of people say, you know what, if we see a miracle, we will believe. How many people that are alive now have seen miracles with St. Mary appearing for hundreds of thousands of people? If you believe in history, you will believe in the history of these miracles that happened recently. I'm not talking about the time of Jesus. Talk about the time in the 60s, in the 30s, when hundreds of thousands of people have seen this. And if any, anybody told you Alexander the Great was, existed and has a lot of witness and evidence, you'll say yes. Well, if somebody tells you St. Mary appeared and hundreds of thousands of people saw her, there's a lot of eyewitnesses still alive from all nations, from all, from all religions. Are you willing to believe that? Are they all crazy? Has these things changed people or not? The reality is we are changed when we are humbled. We're not changed when we see. Chapter 4 is a very interesting chapter in the Bible because it is the only chapter in the Bible that's written by a pagan person. It's not written by Daniel. It's actually Nebuchadnezzar is saying what happened with him and Daniel is writing down. It's the only chapter in the Bible that this is happening in. And this chapter is like a letter. Nebuchadnezzar is sending a letter to all nations. And he begins the letter with a dexology and ends the letter with a dexology. We're going to see what letter, we're going to see what happened with Nebuchadnezzar. Basically, Nebuchadnezzar is going to go crazy for seven years. We'll see what happens. Okay? So this, is, this, is, this chapter is extremely unique. We're hearing now the experience of Nebuchadnezzar with God, the only time a pagan person has ever written in the Bible today. Verse 1. To all people, nation, and language that dwell, in, that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. Obviously, Nebuchadnezzar has a universal audience. This is typical from Assyrian, Babylonian. They all claim to be the, the emperors of the whole world. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. So why is he sending this letter? Because he wants to tell all the people the amazing work, miracles, and signs that God has done with him. This is weird. Because 
He's not talking about the past miracles that happened, the kids, the three young men in the furnace or, the, or, the, or Daniel explaining. He's going to talk about when he lived like animals. This is what he's going to remember. The great king of the whole world is evangelizing the God of Israel. If it looks from far, it looks like everything looks so bad. Jerusalem is destroyed. The temple is destroyed. Most people are not faithful to God. There's probably five, six people. Daniel, the three young youth, and probably Jeremiah and Ezekiel, six, are the one that we know about. But God still reigns. And he still moves the emperor of the world to preach his to preach about God and that's important because in the time we live right now sometimes we might feel discouraged because of all the challenges that's happening in the society and we might feel that we are outcast but all what it takes is a single movement of God to change everything he reigns in all situations He's telling them, it is my pleasure, joy, to tell you what God has done in my life. How great are his signs and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and his dominion is from generation to generation. If you read this verse, it's very hard for you to imagine this is a pagan king speaking. This is somebody who has been impacted by Daniel. And been impacted by the young men. He's praising as a Jewish person. These are the words of the psalm. These are the words of the psalms. So here, by the way, when this story happened, most likely the king actually was near to his death. It happened at the end of his life. So he is praising God at the end of his life. And when death approached him, he started to become more truthful with himself. More truthful with himself. And it's beautiful that he understood that the Most High God is not himself and is not any of the Babylonian gods. So what happened, Mr. Nebuchadnezzar? He said, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my sleep is a resting period. No problem at all. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and thoughts of my bed and visions of my head troubled me. He saw a dream that terrified him. This is not a dream, it's a nightmare. He saw a nightmare that made him not able to sleep. Therefore I issued a decree to bring all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magician, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation. So when he saw a nightmare, he brought in all the wise people. Most likely what happened is those magicians or scholars that he has, they probably told him an interpretation, but he was not convinced. Or some of the interpretation contradicted each other. They probably confused him. 
And by the way, the spirit of confusion is not the spirit of God. The spirit of confusion is not the spirit of God. The voice of God is clear. The voice of God is what? Clear. When he heard all these voices, he said, none of this makes sense. This is all nonsense. But at last, who came? Daniel. Came before me. His name is Belshazzar, according to the name of my God. You see, until this point, Nebuchadnezzar did not believe in the God of, of Israel. He said, Belshazzar, remember Bel was the name that Daniel was named after. So he said, Daniel came, the one I named after my own God. In him is the spirit of the holy God. See, this guy is confused. So Daniel has the spirit of the holy God. He does not worship the king's God, but he named him after his own God who doesn't do anything. And I told the dream before him saying, the question becomes, why was Daniel the last person to come? I mean, the king has experience with this super intelligent man who has the Holy Spirit inside of him and who inter interprets everything to him. Why didn't you bring him at first? There are few, few practical reasons, but there's a reason that's important. Practical reason, maybe Daniel was not in the palace. Maybe usually Daniel gets the matter when it kind of, nobody else knows how to do it because he was the, the, the leader of all of them. These are all possible. But what's more likely is the king knew that this dream is not good news. And part of him, yeah, and he kind of wanted to hear something he likes. He did not want to hear the devastating news about this dream. And by the way, we all do this. When I have a decision that I wanted to go a certain way, I go hang out with my friends who will affirm my decision. I don't go to the voice of the truth. I go to the voice that will comfort me. And the voice that comforts me never does. Never does. It keeps me still anxious. It keeps me still anxious. So here we see him after he gave up on everybody. He said, look, Daniel. Let's bring Daniel. Okay? He brought in Daniel. What happened with Daniel? Belshazzar, the chief of magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you and no secret trouble you. Explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. You know, by the way, he's telling Daniel, eh, the Holy Spirit is inside of you. King Nebuchadnezzar is one of the few people in the Old Testament that have seen the Holy Trinity. He has seen Jesus in the fire. He has seen the Holy Spirit prophesizing on the lips of Daniel, or uh, uh, sorry, uh, interpreting dreams on the lips of Daniel, and he has seen the, inv the invisible God of the Israelites working. 
that full trinity was revealed to him. But he told him, look, explain to me the dream. By the way, at this point, Daniel has been working for Nebuchadnezzar for almost 30 years. And he's still the chief of the king's councils. That is, that is not usual for two reasons. One, this man is a Jew. And all the local people probably don't like him because they feel he brings somebody from the exile and now he's almost the top man in the, in the empire. A lot of people don't like it. And also, a third year is a long time for this critical position. But because he said the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God was in him. You know, when Ruth, when Naomi told Ruth, told her, let every person who looks at you be blessed. Let every person that looks at Daniel be blessed. See the Holy Spirit inside of him. These were the visions of my bed. While on my bed I was looking and beheld a tree in the midst of the earth and its height was great. Everything for King Nebuchadnezzar is great. Because he was what? A great king. He saw an enormous tall, tall tree. And this tree filled the whole land. Something unbelievable. And this tree was extremely important. Because the whole dream is about this tree. The tree grew and became strong. Its heights reached to the heavens. And it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. Its leaves were lovely. Its fruit abundance. And in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches. And all the flesh was fed from it. He saw a very beautiful scene. A tree that had a lot of grace. It's powerful. It's strong. It's nice. Everybody comes eat from it. It's sheltering animals. Beautiful tree. I saw in the vision of my head, while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. A watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. By the way, this chapter, as I'm telling you, who wrote it? Nebuchadnezzar, not Daniel. He's, he's, he's a letter from Nebuchadnezzar to everybody else. It's the only chapter by pagan king. And how he's referring to God, a holy one. Maybe he heard the angels praise him, calling him holy one. But he said, what a watcher. Somebody who sees everything. A messenger from God. It means that the life of Nebuchadnezzar has been under observation without him knowing. With him living his life, not knowing that God is watching what he does. In his, where? What God watches what he does, where? In his own thoughts. In his own bedroom. That voice, that watcher, holy one, one watcher. He cried aloud and said thus, 
chop down the tree and cut off its branches, strip it off its leaf, leaves and scatter its fruits. Let the beast get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and the root in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven and let him gaze with the beast on the grass of the earth. So that voice said what? Cut this tree, but leave a small part of it and put a bronze and an and a and a, and a iron around it for protection. Means that this tree is still have hope. I still have hope in the future. But look at this tree, when it's gonna be cut, what's gonna happen? A lot of the grace, not only for it itself, but for the people that were depending on this tree, have been reduced. Let this heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast and let seven times pass over him. Now, finally, you understood what is the tree referring to? The tree refers to what? To a person. He says, let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast. This man was to live outdoors like the animals of the field. There's, there's a psychological phenomenon known as Wolfman. It has a fancy medical name, but it basically people who believe they can live or they act, believe they are animals. They live like animals. There's a, a guy, his name is R.K. Harrison in 1946, observed that a patient in Britain, mental institution, had similar illness to what Daniel had. And many people have these illness where they think they are wolves or dogs or birds or cats or rabbits and they live as if they are animals, okay? Most likely, King Nebuchadnezzar, when this happens to him, he's not gonna live with wild animals. He's not gonna live with lions and bears. Most likely, he's gonna live with sheep or somewhere, the animals that are more friendly. And he said seven times, a lot of the, a lot of the scholars and the fathers of the church said seven times means seven years. So for seven years, this man his heart will change from a heart of a man. By the way, the heart and the mind, sometimes the Old Testament are used interchangeably. So his mind, his mental states, will move from being intelligent, one of the most intelligent emperors in, 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 the, in the history, and so powerful. And remember when we saw the statue, the head was made out of gold, and so fancy, he will, his mind will turn to become a mind of an animal. Most people start with God the right way, but don't end the right way. He was a beautiful tree, and now he's turning into becoming an animal. That's why the Bible says, look at the ends of the life of the saints and resemble them. What matters is not the one time you attended liturgy, or the one time you confessed, or the one time you had a spiritual experience with God. What matters is doing this over and over and over and over. That's what matters. This is not a one-time thing. This is not a one-time thing. And that's why 
God said, this tree must be cut. The decision is by the decree of the watcher, and the sentence is by the word of the Holy One, in order that the living may know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men, gives it to whomever he wills, and sits over, sits over it the lowest of men. Why God wants to cut this tree? Because he wants him to know one thing, that God is the Holy One of Israel. God, the Holy One of Israel, he controls the whole world. And he brought the lowest of men. You and Nebuchadnezzar, you're not all that. You're not all what you think you are. I brought you and made you a king. The decisions of heaven is to judge this man. I want to tell you guys something. This verse here shows how much God still wants to work with Nebuchadnezzar. And we will see later. Remember when you read the book of Isaiah, what does God tell Isaiah? He tells him, I no longer want to, ch to chastise the Israelites. I'm tired of it. They don't listen. I try with them and they don't listen. I don't want to even try it anymore. That's it. It's done. God wants still to work with Nebuchadnezzar. Now this dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belshazzar, declare its interpretation. Since all the wise men of the kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation, but you are able, for the spirit of the holy God is in you. The dream is obviously a prophecy about the doom of Nebuchadnezzar for seven years. And in the Old Testament, there are many examples when the life of a person actually is resembled as a tree. We see this in Ezekiel, for example, 31, 3 to 17. Behold, the Assyrian was a cedar in Lebanon with a fair branches and with a shadowing shroud. So it's very common symbology, very common visions in the Jewish scripture that a person can be described as a tree. Even God described himself as a, a vineyard. Now Daniel will respond to explain the dream. Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar. Be, by the way, I want you, as you read this chapter, remember Nebuchadnezzar is writing. Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was astonished for a time. So the king saying, when I looked at Daniel, he looked not good. And his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. The king is trying to give comfort to Daniel. Okay? Belshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream concern those who hate you, and its interpretation concern your enemies. This is a polite way of telling him, this dream is bad news for you. Okay? This dream may concern your enemies, it means, yani, it's not a good dream. So, it's important to know that Daniel, when he, he heard the dream, he was troubled. Why was he troubled? One, he probably had a he liked Nebuchadnezzar. He loved him. Even though he was not of his own religion, he loved him. And when he, this, this dream came, I'm sure it made him feel bad for the guy. The other thing that some people say is that he probably was also worried about his own people. He was probably worried about his own people. What will happen to them when Nebuchadnezzar is not there? Maybe he now, after 30 years, he understands the system. This is a new change for him that he might not be able to deal with. 
But most likely, Nebuch most likely Daniel was concerned about Nebuchadnezzar. Because the man of faith who Daniel is, I would not assume that he would be worried about what would happen to Israel. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens, and, and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely, and its fruit abundant, in which was good for all, under which beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branch the bird of the heavens had their home, it is you, O king. Nebuchadnezzar told him, this great tree, by the way, Nebuchadnezzar has had an extreme, extreme military success. His kingdom stretched from Egypt to the, yani, from Egypt to Alam on the east and west, huge kingdom. And he was, in his time, he, in the walls of, in the walls of, in the walls of Babylon, it was, he had, he created these sort of gardens in the walls itself. It was one of the seven wonders of the old world. And now we have new seven wonders, but the creation that he put in was one of the seven wonders of the old ancient world. So we're not talking about just a, a king who, this is a king who is very intelligent, who is very smart, who knows when people are telling him the truth, when people are not telling him the truth. But I told him, you have received so much from God. And I'm not here interested in talking about Nebuchadnezzar. I'm here interested in about talking about you and me. We have received so much from God. And if you sit down and write down the things that you have received from God, you will be astonished. your family, the grace that God gives you in front of people, the fact that God covers us most of the time, the fact that you find yourself as you're making a lot of foolish decision, still God somehow corrects it and brings you back to the path. The fact that God visits us at an unexpected time, even when we're not prepared. The simple intelligence, the simple good thoughts that we have, the simple desires that we have, the little will that we offer. If you write down the things that God has given you and me faithfully, you'll be so thankful. Each one of us is that big tree. And many people are feeding God is using all of you to feed other people. I remember when we went to a trip to Florida with the kids, uh, I used to give Bible study to all the, all the group, and then they would split down, and each servant will give a Bible study in the room. So one of the girls, I asked her, how was the Bible study in the room? Actually, you want me to be honest? Yes, I want you to be honest. Actually, it was better than your Bible study. I'm glad you're honest. You see, every person, every person, every servant is feeding. God is using them to feed other people. This is what God is talking about. Every person is a tree. When he tells him, it's, it's you, O king, 
It reminds me of 2 Samuel 12, 7, when Nathan told David, you are the man. It's a moment when you realize it's a moment of self-discovery. You are that person. You're telling me I, I have been that judgmental. I have been that, I have been full of so much hatred. I have been so, so, so full of so much pride. I have driven people away from the church. I have been involved with self-pity. I have been enjoying so much pleasure. You're telling me I am that man? Yes, you are that man. You are that person. Who have grown and became strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens, and your dominion to the end of the earth. And as much as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and root in earth bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender, in tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the wet of heaven and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This interpretation, O king, is that this decree of the Most High which has come upon my Lord the King. God, Daniel told him, you are the tree, you are the one that God is going gonna, is gonna to allow him to go live like the animals for seven years. And God spoke and made his decree. And I want you guys to know that God speaks to us all the time. Every time your conscience hurts you, this is God speaking. Every time you fail at something, or you suffer, or there's like a thunderstorm in your life, that's God speaking. Every time you come to church and you hear a sermon that touches you, or a friend that tells you something that you needed, God speaking. Do not underestimate how often God speaks to us. Do not underestimate how often God speaks to us. The fact that sometimes we're anxious about certain things, it means that God's speaking. The fact that when I do something, I commit a sin, and I feel so much guilt, that's God speaking. You know, what's amazing about this, this chapter, that a pagan king is speaking, and a pagan king who does not know the Jewish, Jewish law can still repent. It means that he understands sin. God speaks to all. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beast of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall witch you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you, till, the most, till you know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men, and gives it to whom he chooses. Here he's telling him, you will live like animal. Most likely his hair, his hair because it's, it's a very hot and humid area, probably his hair kind of crawled grew and crawled, so he became like animal, kid, animal looking. 
and he would, because he thought of him, himself as an animal, so he would eat from the grass as an animal. That's what most likely happened with him. Until, until what? Until you repent. Repentance is still what? Possible. But you must repent. And as much as they gave the command to leave the stump and the roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Yani God, out of his mercy, he told him, look, I'm going to leave a small hope for you. When you repent, I will bring you back to your original state. And even more, we'll see even more than his original state. Even more than his original state. Most likely, when King Nebuchadnezzar lived for seven years like animal, his son, with the animal psychology, his son most likely ruled the kingdom at that point. Therefore, O king, this is Daniel preaching to the king, let me advise, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities, by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be lengthening of your prosperity. Daniel is basically telling him, look, most likely the dream is going to come true. But try to repent from your sin and live righteously. Perhaps God will delay it as much as possible. Okay? Will delay it as much as possible. Look how brave Daniel is. He speaks to the king and tells him the truth. He speaks to the king and tells him what the truth. This is the king of the world. And you're telling him to repent? And you're telling him what you're doing is wrong? You have to care for the poor? Look, there is, the Baker Nazar may have been very cruel with people, but the problem that he had is that he did not realize that God is in control. And when I don't realize this, it impacts not only my action, but even my intentions. And just for historical purpose, in Qumran, which I told you is a cave where they discover a lot of manuscripts, there's actually... Uh, Aramaic fragments of a prayer of thanksgiving that is attributed to a king of Babylon because he had sickness for seven years in cave number four, 1952. Now, let's get a, maybe talk about last verse and then leave. And all this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar that at the end of a 12 month, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon and the king spoke saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? How long did it take for him to fall into sin? Twelve months. Twelve months is a long time. Think about the promises that you made to God and I made to God or the desires that we had for God lost the great lint when the church was closed. And how does it compare to today? Twelve months 
After 12 months, he forgot the dream, he forgot the nightmare, he forgot how worried he was. He forgot all the beautiful sermons that he heard from Daniel. He forgot all these things. And that's why if I am not practicing even the most obvious work of God in my life can be gotten, can be forgotten. Can be forgotten. Here, God, God said that this will happen, obviously, because God knows the future. But here you see the sin that Nebuchadnezzar fell in was what? He was speaking. Speaking to who? Who is he speaking to? To himself. I'm not sure, maybe he's speaking to the devil, I don't know. But most likely he's speaking to himself. He's walking around, look, isn't this great Babylon that I built myself? Wow. When I speak to myself with all these prideful thoughts, a holy watcher is watching. God sees. They don't go unnoticed. But what's the solution? Daniel told them, repent. Repent. Unless the tree that I have given you will be taken away from you. At least, at least the grace I've given you will be taken away from you. We'll continue to the, the end of the story next week and glory be to God forever and ever.